1: Ready for the interview and if you get a cue live on a laptop watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show let them know we got a point of view Hey yo let's have a combo say what you feel be real that's the motto real talk ponto Dr. D PhD hit the intro Hold up wait gotta be social network global home for the local. Gotta be social network global home for the local. I literally always tell this to people. I literally have no clue what's gonna come out of my mouth. And that's the magic behind my podcast, at least. I don't know other people's, but Carmel Clark, how are you? Great, thank you so much. How are you doing, Darian? I am great, I was just like, I'm like running from one thing to the next. And I was training these two ladies and I'll just boom, I gotta talk to Carmel. It's like, ma'am, you know. <laughs> pumped and ready to go pumped and ready to go and uh actually i remember a lot about our previous conversation that we had offline it was basically a podcast but it was actually i think it was the best offline conversation i had with a guest before the podcast
2: oh my god that's i'm so glad I, it was a phenomenal conversation for me as well i mean we i mean you just went right in yeah. loved your questions um just straight authentic you know which i prefer anyway i mean you know let's talk yeah. about real stuff real things real people real <laughs> important of, instead yeah. of fake stuff okay yeah. about
1: real stuff instead
2: of positioning things it's just you know yes follow the golden thread
1: yeah well you know one thing that was lingering i was like i'm gonna come back to this and i really remember is we were like oh we can go into consciousness we could talk about this <sighs>
2: dude you just like tap my sweet spot like that's it right there
1: (laughs) all right so you mentioned it last time we were offline talking about consciousness what did you mean by that last time when you said that word consciousness
2: uh well i guess when you say that the first thing that pops into my mind is i see myself when i was about eight or nine years old and i just you know my mom used to take us outside the city um you know the edge of the city to across the highway to this amazing um uh cemetery and gardens and everything and so 8 or 9 years old like i just started heading myself out there by myself alone just go hang out and i've thought about that kind of thing like i just loved walking through there was so serene and it was far away from like everybody else and life that was going on and and that was just, what was that about, you know? And I I look at that young self, that little Carmel, and I have this sense of my reaching to to feel my existence, if Hmm. you could say it that way, you know, that there was just, you know, and to be able to do that by being in surroundings that just kind of reflected, or really not kind of, reflected back, aliveness to me, um, myself. And so with that kind of history, and there's so much in that, right, that I, I also noticed things like, you know, when I was in high school, and uh, everybody, you know, you only look at or smile at the people you know that you are friends with, even though you know a lot of other people. And, uh, and what's that about too, by the way, like, and I just, I felt this thing inside of me where I had been, you know, more afraid at these politics that would happen in junior high and I got into high school and I just felt this kind of like yeah this angst about it this you know resistance to it It was hardcore resistance and I thought no like that doesn't feel good to me it doesn't it doesn't feel right because all of us matter like even at high school like I had this thought all of us matter why are we ignoring each other why can't I be brave you know in this kind of weird context of high school and just smile at you or say hi, even if you're not going to say it back, even if you're not going to uh, acknowledge that I exist, I don't care because I can acknowledge that you exist. And that is me respecting myself and knowing that we both matter, right? That was the essence of it. So, you know, this is kind of the beginning of all of this that came around and, and then to see throughout my life that I was always reaching for what most expressed consciousness in us as a, as a, you know, species and not just, I can't say just as a species, but to recognize that consciousness in my way of seeing it exists in everything. And how do I try to see it? How do I try to understand that in my living every day? So I know it's kind of a big answer.
1: You went for (laughs) a real big
2: answer. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Ah, you know, it's interesting. Well, let me backtrack. I was listening to a podcast with a gentleman who was like a pan, panpsychist, something like that, Basically, panpsychism, where they believe that uh, consciousness exists in like inanimate objects as well.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that, but uh, I, I don't know. I'm open-minded to hear yeah. stuff, even if it's like, well, I'm not sure. I appreciate that people are exploring different avenues of consciousness. I think that consciousness is kind of like not defined mm-hmm. necessarily by a lot of, it's kind of like when you throw like a very vague phrase to a lot of people and people go, oh yeah, I'm motivated. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what does that mean? Like, you what, does know? It mean? Exactly- what does that actually mean? Like, if you asked a bunch of people, what is motivation? Like you'd probably get a, some similar things, some different things, but like, what does it mean? It's a perfect question, All right? What does consciousness mean? Is it consciousness in the religious sense? Is it consciousness in the maybe kind of um, metaphysical or biological sense? The universe is it carbon? Is it hydro? Like, what is it? I think we're always trying to understand consciousness, and then we then we have this idea of like, well, can consciousness be put into like robots? right what is what does it mean to be alive mm-hmm. the, what does that mean it's a crazy you know?
2: question right there question
1: after question after question how can you answer those things
2: right and if we clone right if you're actually going to clone uh, another you know yeah. living thing is how is there consciousness in that how does that come to be and what does it mean and what does it mean to my own consciousness you know or the idea of that anyway i right? don't want to be cloned i don't i don't i don't Oh God, no!
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't think I want. Can you imagine? Okay, let's just another. Carmel was like, "There's like two of you." Like I'm talking, not just like identical twins, but like just another you. Like it's crazy.
2: I'm not I, so sure. Yeah, I want I know. That. I, well, okay. So the thing that it brings up for me when you say that is like parallel universes, right? And like right. you know, just the matter of choices taking two different trajectories, and the ability for me to actually see that playing out in front of me would be kind of cool. But I think it would present other problems as well. I think so. Like,
1: I guess technically, mathematically, it's true. A possible you could have, you know, yeah. like parallel Absolutely. universes. Multi, yeah, multiverse. I'm not sure I want to know what the me somewhere else is doing. I'm not sure I'm <laughs> that interested in that. Like, oh really? Because there's, like, there's enough going on right now. <laughs> okay, well <laughs> no. that's true. <laughs> How I'm trying can to I juggle my own that.
2: life. I don't need to juggle another like million hey, lives. <laughs> Darian
1: times 25. What are you doing? What are you I don't know. <laughs> I'm like It's a good sure. question.
2: I can't put that on my calendar. It's already full. <laughs>
1: I don't know. It just it it kind of actually and then I think about consciousness and life extension. And and I also often think that if you think about it we're all looking for extension of consciousness on some level in mm-hmm. many ways like whether it's through afterlife consciousness whether it's through uh, just extending consciousness, uh, beyond our planet or through lifespan. Like everyone, I feel has a very different definition of how they want to continue their consciousness
2: throughout their life. It's so true. I mean, this is a question that occupies my mind a lot as well, because, um, I mean, personally I do, I feel like consciousness continues. I, I sense that it does, you know, the way that I, interact with the world. And, um, you know, you can kind of read evidences in different directions and get different conclusions about that. But that is definitely the the way that I personally tend. Um, but I also am really careful, like, I don't want to collapse that into like, well, this is what it looks like, or this is what it means, right. But in that, there's this awareness, like I recognize, for example, because I love philosophy, right, I'm, I'm a huge, you know, background in philosophy. And I read these philosophers, and I I can't help but just walk inside this like they wrote these books and expressed themselves in where they were, what they thought about, what was going on. and that consciousness is still living. and it comes in through me and through you and through so many different things and and you know poets and filmmakers and artists and I mean, even just you know people throughout history, right? Consciousness is this sense that it's like living through us to the present day still. Um, You know, even just our ancestors, there's a lot to, you know, be said about that, that people have, you know, definitely brought to the forefront. So, I mean, what do you think about that? I think consciousness certainly continues
1: on. I think, um, and I think it's made very apparent. Like there are several people that have never seen anyone pass away, like actually be there when they die. And I've definitely experienced that. And I already believe that, but when you watch it, it confirms it to me even more. It's just this lack of animation and realize the machine is animated by something. It doesn't, it doesn't feel, uh, tangible. And I feel like there's a whole field of research that's trying to make it tangible. Yes. And sometimes I think, I mean, it's great to explore things, but sometimes I think it's done to try to disprove the other aspect of it right? like that. Oh, this seems like a very kooky pie in the sky thing, but like, why does it always have to be like provable all the time? You know, I think sometimes people are trying to prove stuff. Why does everything have to have an answer all the time?
2: And that to me goes straight to this idea of, well, we want to be able to have control over it. And for me, that goes kind of at the heart of where I think, I feel consciousness really lives is that it isn't controllable for me. Like I go into like this concept of Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, mm-hmm. the more you can know, and I talk about consciousness this way, I'll, I'll say it this way, the more you know about the particle of consciousness to use the word, Um, The less you can know about where it is, and the more you know about where it is, the less you can know about it. Like we're in this continual back and forth, where you know, learning how to not try to control everything, to bring it into our total definition or our defining, is very hard for a lot of people, a lot of humans. Yeah,
1: I think so. And then it's
2: um, then there's the background of
1: how you were raised, and maybe you had a very bad experience with consciousness or anything like that so you set out to try to obliterate the thing that you were raised on because you're angry about it yeah versus looking at it just like okay i'm just curious about it there's there's curiosity and then there's kind of revenge sometimes you know
2: i think for me there's also that aspect of like well if i were to tell the story that like I choose everything in my life. It didn't mean that I made it all happen or that I, you know, but like I, where I sit right now, I make the conscious choice to choose my life. Right. And if I look at that and they say, okay, if I choose my life, how do I understand where I came from and the things that happened to me and all of that. And it requires me to put it into a completely different framework, but it's one that not only frees me at a fundamental level, which I think it, for me is an aspect of consciousness, but it also allows me to free everybody else. And I think that for me is key, yeah. and, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, do you ever look at consciousness as kind of a frequency
2: on some level? Yes, yes, yeah. What do you think about that? Like. Oh, I mean, that's a fascinating question. I mean, you have the great questions for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing you just as long as I have, I'm like this dude has the best questions. It just flows um,
1: out of me. I don't know. Literally, have no clue. Just <laughs> comes. To me. Yeah, you're
2: tapped in. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess you know. I you know, there's so many different people who've said different things or have different ways of expressing consciousness and. Uh, maybe if I, you know, I'm just kind of shooting from the hip here based on the sense that I have about what you said. Um, And my experience has been this concept of connection. So like consciousness is a frequency for me really expresses as a connection. Is it a connection to another human being or a connection to my surroundings, or even a connection to myself, uh, you know, connection to there being more you know whether somebody believes there's a god right mm. or there's there's something greater you know connection to the uh the food that we eat or a connection yeah. to the movement that we have in our lives you know connection in these ways that to me feels like the frequency mm. that you're talking about what are your thoughts about that
1: uh, you know i always think about it in terms of like people and like, mm. I, again, I, I don't know, I, I'm a very feeling oriented person. It's just I always, I always tell people this, I'm like I just it's the feels for me. Like, <laughs> if I go somewhere, and I don't feel tapped into it, I just yeah. I don't feel it. And I feel that way with people, you know, I talk to tons of people all the time. And everybody's really nice. But there's certain people that you almost feel like this entanglement occurring with the person. Like, so I'll give you an example. Like, our conversation we had before this was a very like, I had been there before Mm -hmm. type of thing. (laughs) This was an old frequency. This was a a frequency I had was familiar to me. But clearly, I don't know you. So what is that? What is that? Like, what is that? Perfect question. I don't understand that. I feel like, is that a form of like, conscious frequency? And like, how do we know that? kind of that electricity that happens with people, you know?
2: I think it's an, an, a, a fantastic question. You know, I had an experience when I was um, in India for a while, and I was traveling around. I was staying in this little village, and uh, I went to the Sikh temple there, and I'd never, I wanted to experience a Guru Dwara, right? I never had, and I had heard about them, and I knew um, some Sikh people in my life, and there was always something in me that was deeply resonant with them, and you know why because I never grew up with that it was never in my you know world my space so I remember going to the Gurudwara and um the people nobody spoke any English which was such a gift as well right um to just be completely outside of my element walking in and I was there all alone and um the strangest thing happened um First of all, because I didn't, I didn't know anything about how they practice, um, and I received the prasad that when you walk in, they give you um, it's gram flour with uh, honey and butter, and uh, it just they put it right in the palm of your hand, and you just eat it, and it represents this idea from the founder of the Sikh faith, where he said people can't come to know God if they're hungry or thirsty, and so he spent mm-hmm. his life helping people to be fed and to have these basic things that they needed so that they were free than to come to find God themselves, right? And I loved this idea. Anyway, I came in and I I came to the front where the Guru Granth Sahib is. It's the, the book, right? Because the Sikhs have this idea that, um, or their belief is, I shouldn't say it that way, the belief is that um, God is not found in this image. God is found in the seeking of knowledge of awareness of understanding, which I I love that. But then I moved around to the left and all the way around to the right. I, I walked all the way around and then I came to stand in front and I was just overcome suddenly and began to just sob. And I was all alone and that went on for quite a while. And then I finally moved off to the side and sat in meditation for a while, just sitting with the quiet of it. And I found out much later that that is the way that you move around when you come in, um, you you know, people bring an offering of some kind of flowers, incense, um, and then you move around from the left all the way around to the, you know, to the center to the right in the offering that you're making. Um, and This is the kind of thing I, you know, having that experience and then finding those things out afterwards, and I think, how, what, where, where did that come from, how, you know, <laughs> I know it's kind
1: of like makes me think of I can't remember who said this but basically it was kind of like there everyone has a signal it's like the brain is the receiver yeah and there's a signal that is the larger signal and yes. we're the antenna for the signal and I think that idea is coming online a lot more I think you're right yeah and versus just kind of almost like it's all tangible like this is like this is why this happens. This is why I think the mystery of things is beautiful. And I, I agree. Sometimes we're so into factual things and this has to be explained. Right. Like the mystery is also beautiful. And, and knowing that you may never know.
2: That's right. That's important. That to me is what you have talked about feminine energy, you know, and and you actually, Promote people being able to understand and become more connected to or aware of and accepting of feminine energy with themselves and with others and how we interact. And for me, the unknown or the mystery, that space that's undefined, is a true space of the feminine. Right? It, It just it makes sense to me when you look at you know the concepts in Taoism of yin and yang. Always the the feminine. When we try to define it, it's really like impossible. Because it's the field, it's the, 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 the possibility of everything, but it's not definable. That's where the young comes in, everything that's defined and known. And uh, I, I think that we are very uncomfortable being in the space of the mystery and the unknown as a species, especially, particularly, I just have to say, in the West. and For me, this is something I spend a lot of time working intentionally to help people recognize and then start to engage, intentionally and consciously engage with the unknown and become more comfortable with that.
1: Yeah, I think, I think it's an important concept to discuss. I wanted to, I was thinking about this, the concept of transformation mm. also. I know this is important in your work. It is, it is key in my work, yeah. Right? And I think about transformation in the sense of like almost these lifetimes within lifetimes. Mm. And that I often feel like my life is like these chapters of these yeah. different lives that I've lived. Of this transformation but on your end how have you come to understand transformation and then working with people about that
2: uh well i for me i really see transformation as the spark of consciousness like we're talking about um and that it can happen anytime anywhere uh you know looking back to what i was talking about with walking through the the hallways of my high school and my choosing to my consciously choosing to look into the eyes of other people in the hallway and to smile or to say hello, which was, you know, (laughs) like the craziest thing anybody could do in high school, right? Um, And that I didn't do it for attention. I didn't do it for these other reasons. I did it because I knew that I mattered and I knew that they mattered. It was just simply that, and that I would not be cowed by any kind of peer pressure into not being myself with others and for me that really speaks to this essence of transformation where something like a key goes in a lock and it turns and there's a click Hmm. and something opens that was not yet open or had been you know kept apart or away in some in some way right yeah yeah that's the feeling of transformation for me and that my my idea my belief my work really revolves around this idea that every one of us is what i call the effective transformation or the transformation effect in the mm-hmm. world and the more we listen and pay attention just to that simple thing inside the more that spark that we are hits off or clicks, or the key goes in the lock and turns it. And we don't even know what the lock is. We don't even know that maybe this is the key that fits that lock, but that sincere, authentic, organic showing up, you know, intentionally for whatever it is in the moment, you know, it could be the key in the lock of it, just suddenly becoming aware of the most beautiful morning. Right. Or it, it could be this other thing where you look at somebody and and they know that you see them there you're in a grocery Mm. store aisle right and that Mm. you see them that's real and people can be uncomfortable with it but it's real right we just don't know that effect that we have in the world when we really pay attention man
1: it makes me think about I'm doing this uh docu-series about the children of God sex cult with Members who survived. Oh
2: yes, it. yeah,
1: yes. So I've been doing the interviews with the members, former members. Wow. Crazy, wow. But they are they learn in this technique called flirty fishing, that the the person who created it is this way for them to like beg on the streets and make money. I swear, there's a point to this. I swear, it's like, <laughs> and it's not just a random story.
2: I'm no, no, me. I'm just like, wow, okay, it's yeah. crazy,
1: it's crazy, but they talk about like they would learn how to manipulate people to give them money. And how they would do that was to basically help people, to show people that they're seeing them actually. So like there's one lady, her and her mother were part of this. They were kind of brainwashed about it, you know? And so they would go into like a gas station and say, Hey, I need something. And they would look at the person and they would really like stare deeply into them. Yeah, and She said it was a technique they used and you realized that was the first per- time that person felt like somebody actually saw them. Yes. That's their, that's their relation to what you were saying. And it's like, how often do you do that with somebody you actually see them and it's intense. And then maybe the first time in their life, somebody was like, I, I I've never been delved that deeply into you peered into me. Yes. People don't do that with each other. Uh-oh. It's very superficial, you know?
2: It is. And then my question following on what you said is how do people understand the difference between somebody who's mm-hmm. doing it as a manipulation, which to me is quite diabolical yes, um, and exploitation versus somebody who is sincere. And that is the core of the transformational leadership work that I am passionate about yes. and that I do. Because first of all, I speak to, if you have any kind of authority it is your responsibility to learn how to not use the trust of other people. If they yeah. give you their trust on any level, your number one responsibility is to be accountable to yourself to not take that trust and use it. Even if you think you have their best interests at heart, you are out of line. That is not our job. Our job is to show up completely on the same level with other people and in that connection to help them recognize themselves and trust themselves, not us, yeah. right?
1: Do you ever talk about like
2: transcendent leadership in conjunction with
1: transformational
2: mm. leadership? I love that. What do you think? What do, when you say transcendent leadership, I want to know what okay. that means to you, please.
1: So I kind of came across this years ago. Um, I kind of like informally know it, but uh, Gallup had done this really super long-term longitudinal study where they had studied over a million managers on <sighs> I think 30, 40 countries, like this all encompassing thing. And they wanted to know like how frequent, what was the frequency of transcendent leadership? Hmm. Being like the leader who is so inspiring is so kind of creates awe and creates loyalty and trust. And you know, that person that they look at you, there's something there. When they mm-hmm. see like, wow, like they peered into me and Gallup was saying that it's so rare to find this leader, yes. very rare to, for this person to exist in most work environments. That's why it's transcendent. That's why it's, it's rare that basically one in 10 managers has even some of these qualities. Uh, it's mostly not that or that. I agree. Um, so I look at transcendence is like that person for the leader they transcend the position.
2: Mm, I love that. they
1: transcend it. it's no longer this title or that title. they just they've become they've transformed into something beyond that position Right it's hard to explain
2: uh, I think that there's a great way to explain what you said yeah. um, and it comes from a quote by Leela Watson who um, from Australia um, and I love this quote it's core to my everyday right? Um, And she was speaking uh, specifically to civil rights and human rights um, there in in things that were going on. She said, um, if you've come to help me, you're wasting your time. But if your freedom is bound up with mine, then let us work together. And for me, when you talk about this, that's that touching of that, that greater possibility, that principle and that greater possibility that... Our greater possibility exists in this space between us. How do I reach to find that? Even if you don't know how to, I still can. And as I do that, then it has this effect, right? There's a, there's a, a definite transformational effect that occurs when I hold to that greater possibility between us.
1: Does that, yeah. does that make sense? No, it makes sense. I, but also, I often think of it too, like, how do, how do people spot it? How do you, how do you know? Is like the transcendence so overwhelmingly different than everything else that you see it and you're just like, wow, or, or is it like that in our current society, we see transcendence as, uh, someone who has had all these great ideas. They made a lot of money. It's like, wow, look at this. They're transcendence. I never think about it that way.
2: No. I don't think about it that way. No, it's life's something to do with that. Are nothing not transcendence. That. That's right. Yeah
1: but i think we have a, a this feeling in society that that is part of it like that this person has achieved so much they've transcended this this business they're in yeah i never think about it that way
2: yeah we have social authority built on that idea now yeah. because of social media and the internet this it, it's rampant i mean it's it existed all along but it's just really taken over and that's one of the things that i try to help people break down or dismantle is this concept because If I read a book that somebody else has written, I'm always looking to see where do you take this to ultimately. If it comes to lifestyle and bank account, then I I just no, sorry, I can't I can't go there because the real potential that exists is in the greater possibilities between us, not in the lifestyle and bank account that we can tout as this is why I'm successful. For me, when I teach, you know, and I I'm I'm teaching people uh, this transformational uh, coaching method, right? I help them have to come to this awareness that if you do it with one, you do it with a million. If you do it with a million, you do it with one. There is no difference in that. And if you have a difference inside of you, that is your own issue that you have to work through until you come to the clarity that one is 1 million people and 1 million is one. They're no different. And when we can hold that, that to me is, is an element of this transcendent leadership you're talking about the way that I show up in that way the the potential that i hold inside in that you know yeah. in that way really does it's more than the sum of the parts it's synergistic it creates more possibility
1: what are some experiences you've had encountering maybe someone who maybe had a natural transformational leadership ability or transcendence and just you saw it in them like pretty quickly
2: Um, The number one thing that I would say is that they had no desire to take power or control from anybody else, Mm. that they were very conscious of being exactly themselves showing up for, you know, the other person being exactly who they were, right? There was no need to validate themselves Mm. at any level. From the other person. That to me is one of the first things I would say. I love that. I love that. It's kind of funny. It's like not
1: asking for attention. Like yes. not, not seeking it. Not seeking it. It's a great line in uh, Secret Life of Walter Mitty, Ben Starr. Love that. Movie. You know this line, right? Yes, Sean Penn, And they're in the mountains and he's taking the picture. Oh. You know, and he's like, you know, beautiful things don't ask for attention.
2: Oh my God. I so love that. You just said that. That's seriously chilling, chilling. Ah, yes.
1: I I hold that that very dearly to me all the time.
2: Me too. Oh my God. Me too. And to look at other people that way for me, right? Like that's how to look at other people and just see like beautiful things. Do not ask for attention. And that tells the truth to me every time.
1: Powerful. Oh. I mean, my wife and I first time we watched that in the movie theaters, we looked at each other. I was like, I was getting like choked up, like that. <laughs> that hit my frequency of consciousness extreme. It was like a sledgehammer, right there. And it confirmed so much for me of how I want to exist, and yeah. like I, I don't want to be seeking all this attention for the vanity
2: of it. Exactly. And there's so much lost when we do, right? That's the, when people, for me, if we're really, you know, expanding in our own conscious awareness and recognizing I lose so much when I seek for that versus when I can be with myself, be in myself, and then how I experience and interact with other people creates more than the sum of the parts, more than was there before. And, to just show up to that, you know, it isn't me. It isn't that it's all, you know, both of us, all of us, that possibility can create so much good on this planet. And that's not me showing up, looking in your eyes, asking for something and being the first person who's seen you. That's me just showing up as myself. I don't need to get anything out of you or out of this, right? Like you do your podcasts, like yeah. you just show up and you're like, okay, let's I see what show happens. Up. Man, there's,
1: little, there's no script. You know, it's funny when people are like, all right, what are we going to talk about? Like, what are the topics? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I just, <laughs> we got to be okay with not knowing, you know, it's like, oh. do you know what you're going to talk about when you meet somebody new all the time? I don't know. Like at least when I meet people, like I say, oh, let's meet for coffee or something. I don't have like a written out agenda. Maybe other people do. I just kind of let's see where it happens. Even the awkwardness is fine. Totally <laughs> learn something in the awkwardness. Like our frequencies are not there, man. It's something, it's yeah. okay. It's, it's totally fine. It's you know? okay. But the magic is like coming together, having yeah. the conversation you're building. It's like these tendrils, all the, it's like the veins are coming together. We're linking yeah. where this, this neural like handshake is happening. It's, it's happening beautiful. virtually now. With people I know. And in person.
2: And in person. I, I think that's absolutely true. And I think our intention is such a part of it. How how well we know ourselves to be the most authentic that we can is a part of that. You know, I, When I started doing uh, my work online, I took it out of having offices into doing it online so that I could live location independent in the world. Yeah. And when I did that um, people would say, oh, well, you know, like, but that's going to not be as personal. It's not going to be as close. And what they have found, and this was way back before this was really taking off, like it has now, um, and now with the pandemic, but they would be astonished at how connected we could be because it isn't based on proximity. Like that there, when you really connect you know, that heart energy, that soul, spirit, energy, intention that, you know, I am completely right here, presence with you right now, nowhere else, that it, there isn't this geographic proximity factor that has to be there. And then they would meet me in person for the first time, maybe a year after we've been working together. And I'm like, oh my God, like, I feel like I've known you forever. I'm like, well, in a sense, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yes. no different,
1: right? Is no different. Actually, I, I have a client that I've been training for four years, and we never met. We've been doing all live virtual, really long time. And we met for the first time last month in California. And it was, I mean, it was easy. Like we had built this pathway already. This bridge had already been built. And yeah. so I was challenging people. So, oh, that stuff, it doesn't work and stuff. Like, I don't know, maybe you haven't tried it or maybe it's just not your frequency, whatever, but don't bash my frequency on this. Like, this is real to me. If it's not real to you, it doesn't mean my reality isn't real for me.
2: Right, right. That's a good way to, that's a good um, good check on that. I, You know, I do feel like when we are really present with people, there is something that happens, yes. You know, regardless of where we are on the planet, when it when we do it, yeah, for sure. Um, and to me, that also means, you know, in your question about consciousness and tra- and your the question about transformation, um, for me, that personally feels like a responsibility, right? How do mm. I choose to be aware of that in a responsibility to myself, right? Yeah. yeah. You
1: know, what's interesting, like, I actually really thought about this yesterday when I knew I was going to be talking to you. Because sometimes you think of somebody and then they make you think of something that starts cycling in your brain. (laughs) True. Right? Like, oh, this person represents this thought process for me. And I kept thinking, like, with my podcast, I want to be more intentional, intentional about talking to people like Carmel. I want to find more of these people. Like, how do, and I start then like, how do I create a formula to find that frequency over and over and over again? I think I've gotten better at it. I really do. There's something there. There's some type of equation. Maybe it's not tangible but that a feeling that I can get to try to like pinpoint that, you know, I don't know. But I thought about that when this was going to I was like, wait a minute. I, that's an honor.
2: <laughs> Very true. much so um because I I, and I feel the same right knowing that we were going to talk and that my feeling is oh where where is he going to lead us like you know where is it his questions (laughs) going to like open doors for us to go to (laughs) and what a gift I mean that for me that's also it's a good practice for me to be in your company for that reason because I think you know, the quality of our thinking and the, qual- the the possibilities of our thinking are in the questions we ask and you are so just tapped in to listen to the Thank questions.
1: You. Quality <laughs> of thinking. That's an interesting phrase. The quality of thinking. I have to think about that phrase, the quality of thinking. Hmm. I don't think I've heard that before. What does it bring up? That's new to me. Well, I mean, it's kind of like, what's you think of quality? And she would say, well, this is a quality uh, piece of work this mm-hmm. is a quality conversation like what does that mean like what is everything about me is like always what does that mean like, <laughs> we need to, we need to like, think about this like quality thinking or do you have like junky thoughts do you have like <laughs> like i think we do <laughs> like, right random thoughts Do so you have like very kind of like trash tv thoughts so you there's like a hierarchy of thinking yeah right and I I personally like to exist in the higher level of like operationalized thinking where I ask questions we define things and but we're okay if things we can't figure it out that's right and then ask really really big questions when they come to me just like big existential questions to me that's quality thinking Mm -hmm. what what does that mean for you
2: well, the first thing that I think about as you're saying this is that saying that we've all heard, small minds talk about others, mediocre <laughs> minds talk about events, and great minds talk about ideas, I right? forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that was one of the greatest compliments I've received from a client years ago who um, I thought of her as a really excellent thinker. And she said this to me. She said, Carmel, you know, I can always count on you. To talk about ideas, like greater ideas that you're, that's where you want to engage in. And I don't think I was really aware that that's what I always did at that point in time. So it was really a, a wonderful reflection. But quality thinking, I agree with you completely to be able to, you know, reach into the ether, into the unknown, mm-hmm. into the things that we don't normally think about, ask questions about that and continue, you know running down that thread to see where it takes us um, and to be delighted by it or intrigued by it, curious, right? That endless curiosity. I love that idea of endless curiosity. But then also in that, um, the quality thinking for me is connected to um, what comes of that thinking, right? because I don't think that for me, it's not, I can't separate that out. You know, I look at my being in the world as always producing something, even if I'm just sitting there with like not speaking to anybody, nobody's around me, there's always something coming out of my being alive in the world. And what, what is that? You know, is it, you know, is it trash thoughts and, you know, whatever energy that, you know, promotes, or is it, the greater possibilities that I think about with my clients. You know, when I when I think about people in my life where I connect in, for me, it's it has to lead to something that's more, something or something that's greater, you know, in them, or something that's helpful, something that's giving or serving in some way. Right. And maybe we just practice at that to where it becomes just the way that we do that, you know, when nobody's around, nobody's watching, nobody know the inside of our heads. Um, and, you know, to catch when I get into that spiral where, you know, I'm upset by something, or I feel like I'm kind of, you know, circling back in on myself and that's not helpful too. And to be able to disrupt that and move myself back into the other way, that feels like quality thinking.
1: Actually catching your thoughts is, is another thing. (laughs) That's all I do is I just, somebody says something and I just center on it. I'm just like, perfect. What is that? catching your thoughts. I think it's a form of like more a higher version of thinking because it's mm-hmm. easier to get into like this run of like bad, like really poor thinking practices yes. or judgmental thinking practices. Exactly. But then with you like, like catching those thoughts, like, why am I saying this? Like, why, you know what, why am I talking like this? Why, why am I, why am I judging these people? I don't know anything about it. like, that's right. a higher order thinking to me ability to like stop yourself and then evaluate what you're saying and then to make
2: a turn in a different direction you know I think that you know when I was growing up my mom she she always um she taught us principles and she said be true to principles and not to people which I love to this day right because I think that to me principles will always serve all of us so if we're being true to those then we're not going to you know Get off track, like we could otherwise be.ing True to a person, for whatever reason, and um, one of the things that she said was defend the absent. Um, and from the time I was really small, defend the absent. It would, for her, as she explained it to me, it was this idea: if somebody is not there to speak for themselves, how do you stand for them with them not being mm. there? And that doesn't mean mm. that we, you know, accept. Um, the bad actions of other people. It means that we stand for the principle of the thing and we stand for that person's greatest possibility, yeah. right? Uh, does that, I, I, that's probably a little bit deep and complicated, but no, it, it makes sense, right? No, it
1: makes, it, makes, it makes perfect sense. It's, you know, it also, it just makes me think about like, like what we're doing, what right. I do all the time with people. I think this is a very innate thing in humans that started a very long time ago was talking by a fire, listening to a radio, yeah. Yeah. listening to people talk. People like hearing other people talk and people like to talk to other people. I think we, we downplay this way too much, way too much in our society. Like if you're talking to people uninterrupted in this type of version, you're a plant, you're gonna grow. Yes, you are. Your photosynthesis is happening. You're being watered. You're being fed. Mm. And I, I, look at it this way. Like I've recently got into gardening. You want to talk about like a key switching? Oh yeah, this is the almost <laughs> unlikely thing for me to be into <laughs> easily. Like easily, like me of like twenty when I was twenty five, you'd be like, hey, you know what? In like twenty years, you're gonna be like really in the gardening. But like, I don't think so. I don't don't think so. so. Not going to happen. But I watched last year, my wife got this pumpkin plant and I watched it grow every day. Yeah. And I watched the leaves cover the pumpkins when it got too hot. And then I watched the leaves open up when it cooled. And it was like click. (laughs) It was like click. I need this in my life. Wow. See, really, the thing is when you feed a plant, Especially a vegetable or whatever, it feeds you. That's right. You do this when you talk to people uninterrupted. You have the conversation. You're feeding each other. Yes. You're creating a stronger frequency, a stronger connection. That Wi-Fi signal is like four or five bars. Yes. <laughs> like yes, is your signal? You got one bar. You need to talk to more people.
2: You need to talk to more people. You need to talk and, to more people and have great quality of thinking. Right. Quality, yes. I want four bars. Let's go for five. Let's go for five. I want 5G. It's so true, it's so true, but don't you find when you have these great conversations with people, you know, and sometimes I have to think that you're the one that just instigates and opens up a greater elevation for the people you talk to. Sometimes they come in, and they're just like ready and just go from that level that you're just sometimes yeah right. But other times they're suddenly like kind of woken up to come to that level and how wonderful it has to be to experience that and watch it happening in front of you as, I mean, isn't it that definitely
1: true? happens? Yeah. You know, what? I think the other part that is key, and I've, I've talked to a lot of other podcasters and I said, this is the part that's missing though. This is the missing part. You have to nurture it after that. You have to water okay. it. You can meet somebody and have this great conversation but over time, it doesn't have to be a lot. You have to reach back. You have to yeah. say, Hey, loved having you on. So awesome to meet you. Right. I just want to see how you're doing. How's your life going? Like you got to water those connections. You have to over time. You
2: know? I think that that's, that's very true. And to, as we, as we do that, to just feel the openness and not feel any kind of obligation, because I think too often people feel like, oh, I've got to take it on as a responsibility instead of the way that you talk about exercise and movement as being fun, Mm -hmm. like to do that with the connections with people, right. To, to reach out and have it just be fun and and be able to be like in the unknown. If it just is like a moment you're like, great. If it's a little bit more awesome, you know, right. Uh, Yeah. I'll tell you a good example. Like Early on in my podcast, this had to be
1: like episode 20 something, like way back machine. And had this lady on Michelle Miller, I think she's in Florida, such a nice person. And my thing is, once I meet somebody over time, I either like text them or email them over time. Hey, how's it going? Hope you're doing well. So she she's been around for a long time in kind of my atmosphere. So I have texted her tons of times throughout three, four years. And this last message I sent her. And what I normally do, hey, how's your life going? How are you doing? I'm here for you. You need somebody to listen, blah, blah, blah. She sent back this huge message like, you've been sending me these notes for three, four years in a row. And just from our like you never forgot about me. Like, who does that? You know? Who does that? I was like, yeah, but that's that's the watering, you know, like, and some plants need more water, some plants need need less. Yes, in order to grow and survive. And so I kind of take that approach with people, some people, I feel this frequency that I got to water this plant most days, or a month and some of them it's like okay this is, this is a perennial it's going to come back, you know, I maybe need (laughs) a once a year type of thing it's all, there's a lot of, there's a lot of comparison to nature if you think about it, and there is, it's crazy actually.
2: It is actually some of my most profound experiences in my life have come from people who I remember one client in the past. He was a farmer down in Southern Utah and just this quiet, deep human. Like I just, Mm. I wondered his thoughts traveled the universe and like he never said them out loud and I could not, I just couldn't get enough of him. Right. I wanted to know and he just say you know a little bit but it was in that because he was so in nature in the seasons and the ways of moving with the flow right and unhurried but very very aware of what was going on and he wasn't you know didn't have all these degrees and he didn't do yeah. all this work in consciousness like I do and like all this stuff and yet here he was so aware right yeah yeah nature you're right nature is this deep instructor of ourselves deep, yeah Deep
1: instructor it's a uh, lasting it will continue to be here beyond our physical yes. selves which makes me think as we wind up here like how do you want to be remembered
2: mm. um i actually have thought a lot about that because one of the ways that i keep myself honest is um i look at I look at beyond my death where I decompose and even, you know, my, my family lines are, you know, exhausted or whatever, whatever's taken place and, and, you know, whatever kind of marker there might be, like it's long since lost. Right. And what is, what is it inside that I want to continue? Um, and for me, you know, part of it is you know the books that I'm working on to go out into the world and the ideas that they can produce um that's a big part of it for me of it's not me being remembered it's the possibilities that I can put out and that those will continue to spark and even if the books get lost or forever gone that the ideas that are in them continue to spark and further um, move through humanity mm-hmm. as we continue on that's the way that I consider being remembered, I guess. And then in the short term, I guess I would want to be remembered from the true love and connection that I have with other people in the world, that they know that I saw them and that they mattered, And that between us, this was an absolutely understood thing.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. absolutely. What about you? (laughs) (laughs) I honestly, this is gonna sound kind of funny, like, well, several things. Uh, one that people remember that I enjoyed um, being a good person to other people. Yeah, like I want to. That was a good example. Hopefully, that was a good example of goodness and kindness to other people. One, it's important that people remember I love having a good time. I love having a great time. I want to be alive? Almost any party, I'm saying yes to. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I'm like my. Well, it's almost a yes at almost oh. any party. It's like, hey, this is a chance to laugh and have fun and toast and like being alive is very important to me and uh, the process of being excited, uh, holding space for great times and deep conversations that hopefully somebody remembers that we had a really good time together. That Pretty simple. We had a good time together. That goes right to my heart. I so
2: so get it. That's so good
1: because you know, there's there's people you don't remember good times with. You know, it's like it's not a great memory. (laughs) That's not. You don't want to be remembered as the person that was like the downer, right? Or you know, talk too much, or was boring. Like, who
2: wants to be that? Or uninterested, <laughs> uninterested. In people because you had so much of your own stuff you were yeah. so caught up in. Or,
1: or you just blew your life into other people. Like, I got so many problems.
0: Yeah.
1: The bad listener. Like, yeah. I don't want any part of that. Like, yeah. Like, I'll take the good time guy. <laughs>
2: that's, a, that's a true legacy for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, well, Carmel, listen, this could go on for ages it literally could go on for ages yeah Uh, you are a wonderful incredible human that i enjoy spending time with i really do thank you i've been looking forward to this for a long time so have i i mean that
2: thank you yeah no thank you because um it's just been effortless right effortless entire conversation i just feel like we kind of flew around the cosmos a bit today together um 5G. Five 5G. G, Five G on steroids.
1: Five G. This is the real Starlink, right?
2: <laughs> it is. Thank you for bringing out the the best possibilities in people, including thank myself. You. And I really appreciate that today so much. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. And tell all the lovely people how they could uh, get more of Carmel Clark. Ah
2: oh, well, uh, thank you. Um, I am so I lead programs. And uh, right now I have an event coming up. I do it online. It's, I call it the wake up call event. And it, this one is specifically focused on our imposter syndrome and transforming our imposter syndrome because I think it's such a prevalent thing. So that's coming up on May 19th and 21st. I do it as a two-part Thursday evening and again, Saturday morning Anybody can join and it's high touch uh, interaction uh, in this kind of work in the wake up call event. So it's not like a workshop per se, it's more you come in and we do real life right there together for you to move your needle to start that transformative process. So that's the wake up call event specifically focusing on the imposter syndrome. It's May 19th and May 21st. And I have the the link for people to check it out and they can register if they want. so that'll be available uh, for anybody who uh, would like to join in with me. That's the the up and present thing that's happening right wonderful, now.
1: Wonderful, wonderful, beautiful stuff. Everyone, Carmel Clark. Thank you so much.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Darian.
0: Drew and Jonathan Scott here to tell you that American Family Insurance wants to protect your dreams. So whether you're at home singing in the shower. Every note. Or prefer singing your heart out in the car like Drew. Crew. You can save up to 23% when you bundle your home and auto insurance with American Family Insurance. Get a quote or find an agent at AmFam.com. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6,000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.